This is Bail Street, crime, finance, and everything in between. Hosted by Ira Jettelson, bail bondsman to the stars, and Danny Moses of The Big Short fame, this is Bail Street. Welcome to Bail Street. I'm Danny Moses. I'm Ira Jettelson. This episode, we have uh, a a very well-known Adam Davidson, a well-known staff writer from The New Yorker who has uh, done it all uh, in terms of journalism and has really shifted, I think, from kind of covering Wall Street to covering Washington, D.C., uh, the only thing he's missing on his award category is a Pulitzer, and I'm thinking that in conjunction with maybe Trump getting in, you know, indicted or impeached, you may actually finally get the, you know, what's coming to you. So I put a lot of eggs in that basket. We had. <laughs> I'm all about putting eggs in baskets. I mean, that was my know. greatest accomplishment. Did I give you, Ira, your podcast debut, your first ever podcast interview? Oh, that's right. Probably. I think you did. Yeah. Well, I think um, you did. So you Adam, came in and interviewed me yeah. in my office. Yeah, you're just now remembering that now, Ira. Well, I mean, you know, a guy like Adam with such a gorgeous face, you know, you come <laughs> in, things just you know pop right into your mind. But Adam came into my office and you interviewed me on my book, The Fixer. Yeah, right? for the podcast, working on Slate. That's that, right, Slate. Obviously, yeah, Slate go. didn't have the distribution you were looking for. Ira. No, no, yeah. not the seven people that bought the book. No. So, so Adam, the stuff that you're doing now, uh, obviously, with the upcoming controversial. New Yorker conference, October 6th, and I saw who your moderating panel. That's quite a crew. We can talk about that. But you really shifted your energy, and you and I had met back during the big short when it was being produced three or four years ago. Um, so you and I became friends, and we both never thought that, obviously, we would get to this point where Trump would actually win, and then we'd be dealing with repercussions. So I guess in the articles that you've written, and I would have thought that each of those articles would have been grounds for some type of investigation or impeachment, but you've been... Everything's been factually proven that you've written. The article about Georgia, the country of Georgia, Ira, not the not state the where I'm from. No, not oh, the bulldog. Okay. Um, uh, Azerbaijan. How'd yeah. I do? Is that, that was pretty is good. That good? Yeah. Yeah. And then you le- kind of led it back to the Trump Foundation, which is now happening and so forth. So maybe start with uh, – we'll start there and work our way kind of back if that's okay. Um, the current status of what's going on and the continuous state of disbelief, I guess, in the media of – you know, it's not that someone was out to get – Someone in particular, it's just that I think everyone's a little bit shocked that what you can get away with these days sitting in that Oval Office and not be knocked out already. So I'd love to get your current thoughts on the state. Yeah, I mean, it's – so my focus is financial activity. So financial fraud, financial crime. Um, Bail Street. Bail That's Street. what Bail Street does. Exactly. Bail Street, exactly. exactly. And um, investigative journalism, you know, normally – if you're an investigative journalist, like you're hoping once a year you'll uncover something and you'll go down a lot of rabbit holes. Like maybe this guy, maybe this company's crooked. Maybe this one is. And most of them, it turns out, oh, no, I just misunderstood. It actually was a sound business plan. Or maybe, yes, they really screwed up, but it was not a crime. They were just dumb or bad business people. I would say that when I talk to investigative journalists now about the Trump business senior members of the Trump campaign, it's more which of the many, 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 many leads, which of the many avenues of investigation should we pick? It's more there's way too much. And, you know, do I focus just on, say, how the Trump organization did a lot of work with money launderers over the years and and seem to show some of the signs of being a company that was a aiding and abetting money laundering. Alleged. Money Alleged. Money. Yes. Should I show the deep connection to the good people of 
organized crime? Should I show um, partnerships with people in other countries that are either explicitly enemies of the United States or at least not particularly allied with the United States? And I mean these are – you know, it's very common these days. Oh, Hillary was crooked. Oh, well, Obama, whatever. No one – no one, I think I can say this, no one, certainly in my lifetime, no one in, you know, of that, of any senior national level yep. has had so much questionable activity around them. It's un, so, so it's much more of a sorting than a finding. You know, it's more like the haystack is all needles and we just are picking which needles to use. And then combined with, the fact that this stuff doesn't break through. You mentioned the Azerbaijan story that I did. Now, this was a story that the Trump organization itself had no issues with. I mean, they didn't like that it was published, but they there was not a they said there's nothing factually inaccurate in it. I showed that while he was running for president, Donald Trump was knowingly, he knew that he was in business with a family in Azerbaijan that almost certainly was simultaneously, while Trump was in business with them, laundering money for the Iranian Revolutionary Guard right. and specifically the part of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard in charge of acquiring weapons of mass destruction. The Iranian Revolutionary Guard is the part of the Iranian apparatus that funds terror, tries to acquire weapons of mass destruction, etc. Now, I certainly obviously don't think Trump himself is like a fan of Iran's Revolutionary Guard. I think it's pretty well established. He'll do business with anyone who has a buck. Yep. He won't ask a lot of questions. I do find it Shocking that someone running for president and then someone who is president is doing business with someone while that person is helping Iran acquire weapons of mass destruction. Several Democratic senators read my article and called for investigation, but you know, not surprisingly, the Republicans in Congress did not follow up on that. So, right. so there hasn't been, as as far as I know, any investigation. I remember you called me during that, or you had emailed me. You sent me a prospectus, I guess. Deutsche Bank had been raising money. I think that was that, yeah, yeah, that exactly. deal. And I looked at it. I go, Adam, I don't know what this is, but it doesn't seem right. And yeah. you and you go, all right, I'll call you back. And I never heard. And then you said, this article is amazing. And I read it. And I'm like, how is this you know, not going to be the, the thing that potentially sends this into investigation? And then you realize we're kind of numb to it now because there's so many other things that are have, have occurred. But And I just – go ahead, Ira. Do you think this is the first politician that's ever been in bed with – you know, a different country and farming different things throughout and being sneaky. I mean, it's been going on for decades and decades. Who would be comparable? I can't think of anyone who would be comparable. Not even – maybe another dictator other from countries. another country. Yeah. Sure, I mean, but not here. Well, you know. I'm just saying that that is money laundering. That's dealing with, with, with an adversary. There's a lot of things that go into that. And I just don't know how those things get explained away. I guess because so many other things happen that desensitize people – to that, yeah. but he's always been. Everyone knows that when you know he's been bankrupt four times, six if you count the operating entities. His access to capital was limited. Uh, he took it where he could get it, and he took it from. I mean, it's proven the oligarchs that, that gave him money. And Felix Sater, who basically was Adam, Adam, that was your source for a lot of information. I have a lot of sources. That, yeah, no, but he, but sources. no, but you you cited him. I mean, he was in the article, I believe. Uh, or okay. I'm sorry, you cited the I frog. Think and just the, exposed him. <laughs> No, we can take that the the uh, frog and the uh, what was scorpion? it? Scorpion. Yeah, the frog and the scorpion. Yeah, yeah. how do you know that? Because uh, everybody uh, knows the frog that. and the scorpion. Anyway, yeah, well, I know I, I'm dumb, but gee, give me a break. Let me let me rephrase. So, Felix, by the way, he would come on this show in a sec. Felix Sater, oh, the scorpion. 
well, Felix we don't know Sater. if he was actually the uh, farthest. So yeah. Felix Sater is on your panel on October 6th. Correct. That's right. Yes. And what do you think you guys may be discussing? I mean, I think I think our – so we have this panel at the New Yorker Festival October 6th. Tickets still on sale. Right. Google it. Right. With Felix Sater and Michael Avenatti and Ruth Marcus from The Post. Um, I mean, I think some of the stuff that I love talking to people who worked with Trump about is just – just what was it like? I mean, because it, it, it sort of is surreal to learn about just life on the 26th floor of Trump Tower, the office of the Trump Organization. It was this, you know, I mean, not surprisingly very chaotic. Um, the way meetings were held, the way decisions were made, the the way, um, you know, Felix, I think, would not mind me saying, was kind of a master at flattering the boss at 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 figuring out how to get him to agree to what you want or how to convince him that even though he disagreed, he... Didn't Trump say under oath in a deposition that he didn't know who he was and he wouldn't know him if he was with him in a room? Yeah. And there's pictures of them together and his office was literally yeah. down the hall from him? Well, yeah. he I just wanted old. to make sure that yeah, I'm not yeah, insane. Yeah, he's yeah. getting a little older. He forgets things. Okay, I'm just yeah, yeah. Make sure But he said it. this then. He said this like a year or so after Felix literally was two doors down in the same Yeah, so hallway. make sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Um, and he had asked Felix to show his kids around Moscow. I mean, the, the you know, you, you don't do that for someone you don't know, I don't think. So, um, and then also just the ambiance. I mean, I, I think a lot of the kind of characters around Trump who are all good guys, you know, friends of ours, you know. Friends of ours. Friends right. of ours, you know. You know. Yeah. Um, these are, you know. Not that there's anything wrong or whatever, but, um, you know, that that Trump – New York real estate has been transformed in the last 10, 15 years, I, I think. You yeah. know, you know and, and real estate in general, for good and ill, you know, Danny yep. and I know more than we want to know. You know a lot more yep. than I do about about this. But, but broadly speaking, real estate has gone from sort of, you know, a, a kind of big shoulder, tough guys kind of – wrestling yep. with each other to get a hold of certain properties to a much more kind of institutionalized, corporate, formalized, corporate, yep. conventional risk management, diversified. And and I think as as that part of the industry, which um, the, the kind of formal part of the industry grew, it really left smaller and smaller spaces for those who didn't know how to adjust. And so as I think what you see is, is Trump probably in the 70s I don't know that he stands out that much. I mean, I think you know he he did business with Fat Tony Salerno, Salerno for. Um, did you bail out Fat Tony at no. any point? Oh, okay. Fat Tony's a good man. Though. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no one said otherwise. Right. Yeah, um, well, and uh, things were just done differently, but, and he never. But, but maybe Trump was one of you know a lot of New York real estate guys who would. But by the by the nineties and certainly by the two thousands, you really see Trump operating at the fringe of what would be considered. Um, legal, ethical, normal ways of doing business. It also crucially, and this is one of the key things that I keep coming across, is not profitable to op- as profitable to operate. It would You made a lot more money if you adjusted, if you hired a bunch of accountants instead of just having this one guy who worked for you for 40 years. In a corner. Sure. And he always told people that when they were just a management company, that it was his building. So yeah. when he was listing his assets, not that it matters you know, one way or another, but he's listing his assets when he's running for president is you know in the billions and he's using buildings where he only has a management he doesn't actually own the building per se but and he's referencing the revenue without 
as the profit without reg- without the cost. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. My only it was funny because I never thought of him that he that he would actually become president. But back in the '90s, I had just gotten in the business and I was equity salesman. But the Taj Mahal had opened. And there was an analyst, and this is well written about. There was an analyst who covered high yield. I think I think it was a broker was Janie Montgomery down in Philly, and he says and he put a sell rating on the high yield bonds of the Taj Mahal, and Trump called the boss, his boss, and said, "I want this guy fired," and he was fired, and the Taj went bankrupt. You know, less than a year later, a year and a half later, and he was right. He says there's not enough cash in in this type of reserve, and so. Whenever it, you know, he has a pattern here. When you call him out on something, you no, know, the Taj is the best. It's going to be the best. He doesn't know how to operate and run anything. It's always been his name and a splash. Which, to your point, Adam, which is why he can't get institutional capital. Never could buy his buildings because he he wasn't a uniform type of business that he ran. It was ad hoc here and there, and he had a bad reputation within the, within the circles of real estate. And you're right, the business changed from you know Fat Tony owning owning the building and running it to you know. Blackstone owning the building. The Blackstone owning the building on behalf of the retirees exactly. of Calpers or something. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, um, and the, wait, Ira, I just so, go for it. Because um, I hear this all the time. Oh, all politicians make money, and and it is true. Like you, you know, Joe Biden's son is on the board of this Ukrainian energy company. And he's obviously there just because he's Joe Biden's son. He doesn't particularly okay. know anything about energy. He doesn't particularly know anything about Ukraine. Um, He'll be coming off that board in about 18 months, by the way. But yes. go ahead. Right. <laughs> and, and I find that gross. I really do. I find that despicable. I don't want people being able to make – I don't know how much he makes being on oh, board. Whatever. But yeah. But it's And it's some oligarch, some Ukrainian oligarch. I forget his name. And you see things like that. Certainly the Clintons, the Clinton Foundation made money um, – by trading their name and their position. That is on a and, – and it's gross. Every, all of that's gross. You know, Barack Obama apparently, you know – Owns houses all over America. But go on. No, he got one favorable deal from a guy from Tony Resco in Chicago, which was not great. That shouldn't happen. It is a totally different thing to be putting your name on a $300 million building in Baku, Azerbaijan that – is very likely to be an instrument to launder money to help Iran get nuclear weapons and fund terror. That's it's a you know if if we exist in a world where that's the same as just being on a board of a kind of sketchy company um, that hasn't actually done anything all that wrong, then. Why do we, you know, then let's just throw everything out. I mean, then there's no standards at all. Well, so I don't think Democrats or other Republicans are pure as the driven snow or America doesn't have corruption or there aren't gross things. I think Trump is on such a different level that I, I just thoroughly reject this idea that eh, everyone does it. No, no. People don't do what he did. Even crooked people don't do what he did because it's come, stupid. Did this come out during the election? Unfortunately, well, some of it did. Yeah, the facts I, I actually, did. I actually don't believe, Ira, to your point, that during the, the last three or four months, no one thought he had a chance. So I think everyone just kind of said, all right, I'm not wasting yeah. you know, time and money on pursuing this because he doesn't have a chance to win. And he did. And everyone got lazy about it. And that's what happened. Um, I, you know, to Adam, to your point. I mean, point, that's what I said. It took me three or four months to break that story, the Iran story. I mean, right. the, the, some of the details had and, been broken, but to really nail it. Yeah. And you can't use a defense as you wrote you just cause you don't know who you're dealing with. That's, that's not a defense under law. That actually would still be considered 
and also he did financial crime. Yeah, yeah. No, but even yeah. if he did, even if he did, so I yeah. take him at him. Just I'm going to know your client. Yeah, I'm going to take a shot in the dark. You didn't vote for Donald, did you? Um, as it happened, I mean, I, I, I did not. No. Okay. Yeah. No, but don't you think? Obviously- but there's a lot of people I didn't vote for okay, who I don't wait, say don't, are. Okay. Here's my theory: a lot of people in America don't like him, and probably fifty percent like don't like him for the right reason. Fifty percent don't like him for the wrong reasons. But he's now the president of the United States. Just support the guy for the next two years and vote him out. What would that look? What would it mean to support a guy? Just stop putting him in the newspaper. Stop worrying about Stormy Daniels. Stop worrying about all the bullshit that's going on, who he slept with, who he didn't sleep with, what he said here, this, that, whatever, and just leave it alone and get him out in two years. Because you don't feel comfortable doing that? Can I just interject? Well, that is just – it's not a – I mean, it, first of all I, – I just want to hear what – Yeah, yeah. That's good. Go ahead, Adam. All right. So, so first of all, the, the way news works is we, we don't – you know. We don't just arbitrarily decide like, hey, let's just beat up on that guy. Let's find out if he slept with anyone. You know, news breaks however it breaks. The issue with Stormy Daniels, for example, I I don't think if this if the story broke, oh, it looks like he slept with a porn star and Trump came out and said, yeah, I did. Right. I don't like I don't think it would be a big story. Well, he's the, married, though. He's so he's all right, he's whatever. But I don't care. I mean, that wouldn't be a big story. But when when Clinton was using uh, his. Uh, uh, humidor for um, yeah, that, uh, that was a big story. That was a big story. Yeah, um, but he got impeached. He, he got impeached, and it was what, a humidor. He got impeached for that. Yeah, but he didn't get voted out because the Senate was Democratic. But to yeah. your answer, he got impeached anyway. Okay. Go ahead. So, what we now know is that the president with his with Michael right. Cohen had illegally set up a shell company. It seems illegal. It hasn't been determined. Well, no, it is. No, no, it's now illegal. Yeah, yeah, he pled. So, commit knowingly, actively and knowingly committed a crime to set up a shell corporation to to funnel money to buy silence. That was actually Karen McDougal, not Story Daniels, but it doesn't matter. And in the tape that Michael Cohen's people released, it was very clear from the context of the recording between Michael Cohen and Donald Trump that setting up secretive shell companies to funnel money was not a big deal. Like if I've, I've never done it. I feel like if I did do it, you'd be going to jail. You'd be the guy I'd call, but I would, yeah, but I would. (laughs) And, and I'd be really nervous. Of course you should be. When you hear them, it's like, yeah, I did. No, I did it. And really to the point. Yeah. I talked to Alan Weisselberg. He told, he, he told me how he does it. Meaning Trump CFO, his main finance guy for his entire career is apparently a guy you can call to very casually ask, how do you set up a secretive LLC to funnel money illegally? And so what that tells me is, and this, by the way, this is not like, oh, this happened in 1983. This happened after the election, before um, he was inaugurated. That means the president of the United States, we know for a fact, um, knowingly, as elect president-elect, committed financial crime in a manner that suggests this was a routine practice. As a reporter and, frankly, as a citizen, I'd like to know more about that. Um, I guess it's possible that his CFO acquired this expertise but never used it and just happened to use it this one time. That, to me, seems unlikely. It seems likely that when all of this is fully fleshed out, that we're going to know about a lot more illegal activity. I would also say, as somebody who has carefully, carefully studied the business decisions Trump has made over the years and 
I think that um, much of this presidency is determined by his own immediate financial self-interest and that of his cronies. That's not something I can just let happen for two years. That's serious. I mean, you, you that puts that puts our lives at risk potentially. That certainly puts our position in the world. So this is not. Um, that know. that's what I was going to say when I asked the question. Why should we care? Because it's to me, it's not about being what party they're a part of. It's the person that's in there making these decisions. And to be frank, when you're surrounding yourselves with people like Wilbur Ross and Larry Kudlow and these guys, and he's so short-term thinking in everything that he does, Trump, whether he gets angry short-term, he has to cure that anger. Whether Whatever makes him happy short-term, he'll do it. Whatever he thinks he can get away with, he'll do because he likes to be in a position of power. But, you know, tariffs are a perfect example. Like, at the end of the day, hopefully it doesn't matter. Hopefully that China comes to the table, hopefully something. But he doesn't truly understand anything about economics. He doesn't – he's listening to people. And by the way – Let's talk about who owns stock where. I mean, Wilbur Ross and Carl Icahn and these I – mean, you want to do a story. There's stories there that are starting to come out on the stocks that they own, what they did before the steel tariffs, who owned what. Oh, it's in a trust. Don't worry about it. His secretary of health was insider trading before he ever took the job. So my, my point is, Ira, there's things at the EPA or there's pesticides being allowed to go through and there's big business coming through. Yes, that happens under every, every single presidency. Everybody's Hold watch. On. Except that you have a leader who's incompetent. And who you can't trust. So, it, to me, it's about the what are our what are our moral values? What what is the United States? And I think we I, honestly, I swear this is true. It, just because it, it's this red-haired orangutan that's in there, it doesn't matter that you know you know to me who it, it's that's that is the person that we're dealing with. Yes, it happens to be Donald Trump, and it blows the mind that it used to be if you lied, you couldn't become president. Now you can commit financial crimes, and I worry about the long-term ramifications of that. And Michael Lewis was on here. He was one of our first guests we had. I, no, I know, heard it was good. You heard it. And he said, one. I yeah. said, Michael, what do you think is going on? And he goes, well, I think there's organ damage going on. And it will happen. And you, he's, you can't see it, but there's probably organ damage. I think if I got him back on the – if we had him back on the show right now to talk about it, he'd be a little bit more concerned. And I think he's busy doing some type of book on him maybe potentially. I, I actually don't know, but I, I get that feeling. But I'm a little bit concerned of the long-term – fabric yeah. of, of the and, and to me it's deeper than just the crimes that are being committed at this point because you're right ira every politician or not every but also bail street for more content please subscribe and follow bail street on instagram and youtube search bail street that's just one word bail street i just want to emphasize this yes there have been there has been financial corruption what who Forget Trump. Who compares to Wilbur Ross? Who compares to Scott Pruitt? Who compares to there? There's a a level of naked corruption happening in this administration that I mean, I guess it's, it's becoming acceptable. Yeah. The the what's his name? Uh, the the most corrupt um, president whose name I'm forgetting. Um, Warren G. Harding. You know, it's like you have to go back there. Warren to, G. Yeah. And and let me just – can I just get my like yeah. economist jump. hat Just on. jump right Go in, ahead. Adam. So before this job, I mean a big part of my job was on – you know, was was covering economics in general. And, and planet understand, money, right? Planet money, yeah. NPR's planet money and understanding how economies function. And to me, one of the central things to understand about modern society is that for the vast majority of human existence – you couldn't talk about corruption because a tiny, powerful elite using power and religious authority to crush everyone else, 
to take whatever surplus there is for, for themselves was just that's how it worked. There was no corruption. That was just the process. For there to be corruption, there has to be a thing that is corrupted. And in the last 150, 200 years, there's been this kind of miracle, unheard of in human history, which is huge numbers of people. There's a middle class. Huge numbers of people are not either the crushed or the crusher. They're in the middle. They're doing okay. They're 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 seeing their livelihoods improve day after day, year after year, decade after decade. Doesn't mean everything's perfect. Doesn't mean everyone benefits. But broadly speaking, the miracle in first in England and the United States and Europe, parts of Asia, doesn't exist everywhere. But the miracle that occurred is the middle class revolution, the opportunity. People live infinitely longer. They live healthier lives. And when they're sick, it's illnesses of abundance. It's diabetes and obesity and, you know, as opposed to starving to death. You know, in the United States in, you know, 1890, starving to death was a real concern. And economists spent a lot of time. Why does why did that happen? What changed and and why why are there some countries that seem to both prosper economically and also prosper sort of in democracy, et cetera? And one of the central things is that the the fundamental levers of power, the fundamental infrastructure, both the actual physical infrastructure, the roads and the phones, and then the legal infrastructure, the courts, and the um, sort of conceptual infrastructure, entrepreneurship, et cetera, the core – there's a core base of public – goods, things that are available to people. And then there's a competitive layer where people are competing based on offering something better, offering a cheaper product, a better product, a newer product. Now, there's always crime. There will always be business. Thank you. Yes. And and when crime and is on that layer, it's, you know, it, it can mess up someone's day or whatever, but it's not going to fundamentally destroy the, the overall machine. In the fabric. It's not in the fabric. It's not in the fabric. But when right. you have the people at the top levers of power and you're sending signals. One way to get rich is to work really hard, come up with a new idea, work your ass off, make a business that's better than someone else's and you have to earn that every day. Another way to get rich is just have power, control the le levers of power and, th and then you can be kind of lazy, you can be stupid, you just – power itself will make you rich. That still exists in several countries. And that those countries are way poorer, way more damaged, yeah. et cetera. Haiti is an example. I've spent a lot of time in Haiti. Up until the 50s, Haiti was just a regular poor country. It was on par with Singapore, with Finland. With, it was sort of like – it wasn't that rich, but it wasn't that poor. It was fine. And then Papa Doc came to power, did a lot of what Trump did, you know, populist revolution, took the levers of power and created a kind of language of power that every subsequent leader followed. And Haiti has fallen. It is half as rich as it was in the 50s. The average person is way worse off, whereas obviously Singapore, Finland are doing great. So that's why this is not just I don't like it because this is not your – like, Ira, you live in a world where you're – you deal with people who may or may not allegedly have broken the law and and it – and you – Maybe, possibly, I don't want to put words in your mouth, are thinking, well, Trump is – OK, maybe he broke the law, maybe he didn't. It's very different when it's the president doing it because it's getting to the fundamental machinery of of this country of what makes it work. It is Bale Street. You know, it's – and, right. and that's why I would want you to be more upset than you are. No, it is – I'm going to be honest with you, Adam. I'm not as educated in in this world as you and Danny. 
Um, um, but and I think I speak for a lot of America that probably feels the way I feel. Um, and you know, you know, look at the papers and see what's going on, and, and is not really up to date or really so in tuned to what's really going on behind the scenes. And you know, I've listened, I've watched different presidents, you know, throughout the you know the years, and I haven't followed it too much. And and I'm watching. I I don't know how great of a job Obama did. I mean. You know, I mean, I, I see the economy wasn't so great, and he's done some good things, done some bad things. Then we look at Clinton, and then we look at Bush, and, you know, you can go down the line. Um, it's not that I'm not upset, but I, 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 I look at it, and I say, is he the guy that we're just picking on right now because he just happens to be the guy that everybody in America is picking on right now compared to everybody else that came through the lines? And Danny said it might have happened – Four years ago, six years ago, ten years ago, fourteen years ago. I, I don't would know. say no. He's I would different. Say, okay. Don't you have you have clients? I, yes, I do. Who, who are many? Most of them are innocent. Everybody is innocent. Okay. Yes. Allegedly. Allegedly. Until, yeah. All right. But just think in your mind of ten clients. Okay, I got it. Go. All of whom are guilty of some crime. Okay. And now think of one of them who's way guiltier. Okay. So you're not going to say, yeah, they're all crooks. Like you, you know people. Right. I know people where you're like, no, that, that's. I understand. That's who I Trump know where you're is. going with. Trump, I got it. it. So get, by, by the way, Ira, I appreciate your. It's just the, my yeah. opinion. Viewpoint. Listen, you're, you're you know, that's yeah, my hundred yeah, percent, yeah. and by, and there are many people that feel that way. Listen, I'm just going to go about my business. Things things seem fine to me. I'm not going to bother with that stuff. But I will tell you this, and I think Adam would agree. The stock market being where it is, and yes, I think it's gotten an extra jolt. Forget about the economic numbers. The market yeah. has, because of him, right. because of Trump or his policies, that's a short-term issue. And I can tell you this. If the market had been down 30% and set up, he'd be already out of office. I agree. Yeah. That, that's just the way that this country is set up. And that's not and that shouldn't be that way, but it has given him a free pass. And so the people that have made the excuse, not you, I'm saying in general, I, we, we know a lot of people that say they, they – I'm not saying they, they support Trump, but they don't come out against him, and it's frustrating – it's because they're patting their wallets or it's, it's, it's a selfish reason. Or it was, well, I hated Hillary. Would you rather have her? That's not what this is about. I'm looking forward. And you know I was always – early to the housing crisis, right? Because you see things that are going to happen. You can see the stuff that we're not – that we should be paying attention to is what is the environment going to be for our kids? Like how is it going to look? And there's stuff happening right now to Adam's point. Maybe nothing ends up – maybe we get through this and, 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 and it goes away. But maybe it doesn't. But it's our responsibility. I feel like it's our responsibility to call these things out. Just like Adam said, he didn't – these journalists aren't looking for these stories are incredible and I was I, I disagree I think they are looking for things well there's too many things to even the the point is that we've become desensitized there are so many things to choose from right now I'll tell you this Adam had said when Cohen's apartment was raided before anyone said anything Adam tweeted out Weisselberg is the next name you're going to hear he said it no one had even who's Weisselberg Bang! What happened? So the point yeah, is that that was my one time I felt like Danny Moses. No, so, please, yeah. no, 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 no. But, but my, 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 I saw the future. Yeah. But my point is, if it was Hillary Clinton, Adam would be writing the same exactly. exact thing. I think that's where the bipartisan part is. Is just you got to take it out of the equation, and and it's frustrating to me because this isn't again, this isn't about parties. I mean, I would have voted for Romney. You know, if you, I, that's not the the point. The point is that that you have a person here that that's that's and not. By the way, it's not a defense of Trump. I don't think he understands the law. I don't oh, think no. he even knows when he, you know, makes a yeah. comment about the FBI, about the justice system, the three parts of the government, they're separate. Like, this is crazy. And that's the part I think that's mind-boggling to people is, is mind-boggling. how is this accepted? Like, why isn't anyone, because no one can corral him, you know, yeah. none of it, and he fires yeah. you if you do. It's just, it's Do you a think place. any more of his administration going to go to jail? 
Yes, I think I think there's a high like. I mean, obviously, allegedly, and blah blah blah. Allegedly, but, yes. allegedly, exactly. I see Adam knows it now. Yeah. Well, well, I listen to the podcast, and also, um, yeah, I have relatives where I have to use the word allegedly. But <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> the the other thing I would just say, like, just come as, at me, baby. as a journalist, we we like uncovering things. We like reporting on things. Well, that's your job. Yes, and if Obama had. No journalist at all, or if maybe there's one or two, definitely not the vast majority of journalists would cover up anything. If there was real financial corruption, we would cover. And since there wasn't any if financial I, corruption, financial corruption, you think there was any other type of corruption going on there? I can't think of any. Okay, you can disagree with him. You can say he had bad policies, but I it was a very clean administration, very scandal free. But that wasn't because we liked Obama. We were very – we'd be thrilled to to report on it. And in fact, it's actually kind of crappy to be a Trump reporter because there are so many of them. You know, every, I'm never going to beat Maggie Haberman at, at the New York Times or David Farenthold at the Washington Post because they're – they're just way ahead of me. I, and and so having my one or two Trump stories really doesn't do that much for my career compared to if I had been able to break, you know, a, 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 an Obama story. So it it's it isn't right to th- to look at, oh, there's a lot of news about Trump. So the reporters are out there choosing in a different way than they would under a different president to cover it. No, there's a lot of news because there's a lot of news because the guy is an erratic – person who creates a lot of news and he has a background that is simply incompatible with the office he holds. And so we are obligated to tell you about it. That's why you have a free media. That's By the way, I'll give you an example. This, you know, for-profit Trump University that he had set up, which was a fraud. I mean, admittedly, he, he basically he gave me a scholarship. Yeah, exactly. Four years free ride. You yeah. know, and this was prior to him. You know, it was going on as he was becoming president. But it was like, yeah, you know, the guy's Trump's whatever it is, what it is. So he becomes president, and you have to. And there was a whole industry, the for-profit education companies, that were basically gone under Obama, and um, you know, the former administration realized that subs- that the government was subsidizing loans for students to go to school in these for-profit educations. It was all a scam. Okay? So we basically stopped committing tax dollars for it. Betsy DeVos comes in, and where you have to think about things is that here's a guy, Trump, who doesn't understand education and the system, how it works, and he brings in Betsy DeVos. Well, here you have Trump who set up a fake university. Betsy DeVos has ties to these for-profit universities. What happens? They rewrite the code, and the for-profit companies are, are back in business, right? For And that's bad, and I'm not even going to go into what she's doing, the charters and and schools and stuff like that. But no, my my point is that those are the things that are – it could be person X, Y, Z that people should be concerned about. And does it translate into stock market things of these companies? Sure, to a degree because everything always leads back there to that degree. But the ties that she has to those businesses and things and her husband and all those things like – those are – or her brother, sorry, at at Blackwater or or wherever he is. So there's so many things and, and drain the swamp. We'll end with this, and we can move on from Trump because I want to get to some other thing. The drain the swamp is the biggest fucking joke I've ever heard. This is the swampiest swamp in history. So these these you go to these. We're not talking dr- about the University of Florida, right? No, okay. no, not the no, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no. But you know how I feel about them. But but my 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 point is that people need to just wake up and do their own work. Don't listen to MSNBC, CNN if you don't want to. And and if you want to go to Fox, great. But do your own work. Don't be spoon fed this stuff because it should matter long term, and everybody should take responsibility for what's going on because. This is the best country in the world, and it's shaking people to its core right now, and it's really upsetting for me to see. That's it. Adam, and can I bring it home to you? Yeah, bring, it, bring, bring it right back. Bring it Put home. those things down because I'm afraid you're going to throw them out. I'm a fidgeter. 
Um, Adam, do you agree with what I said? I, of course you do. Okay. I just want to make sure. You're like this yeah. fucking odd couple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ira, I talked to some white-collar defense lawyers. Le- oh, okay. Yeah. And they were saying, like, it screwed up our profession because there's – just way less prosecution of white color crime. It's basically no. I don't know. And about you that. know who no one ever thinks about the bail bondsman of white collar crime. That's the poor guy who's really screwed. He when, just brought this back that it's actually yeah, going to impact. It's going to impact. Well, you. well I, you got two sides. You got bail reform issues, and then you got well, this we got bail, we got prison reform, and now we have the ankle bracelets. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, listen, there's been a tremendous amount of white-collar state crimes that I've been involved with over the last few years. Yeah, that's going to go up. And I'm, I see I, And you don't do up. federal? I don't do federal. Oh, no, Adam, it doesn't affect I, But I think the federal system, you know, obviously, uh, I, I don't want to really get into it too much, but, you know, they, they, were, they attacked them pretty high over the last uh, couple of years. And I think that has definitely been walked back a little bit. I don't know if it had anything to do with Trump. Or whoever came into the AUSA's office, but it's been walked back a tiny bit. But I would say this: white collar crime always goes down in an up market and goes back That's up true. in a down market. Exactly. So no one's looking for a scapegoat when the market's making record highs every single day, right? You know, and that's all he's got left at this point. I mean, yeah. to me, it's the market. And so, you know, the last thing within that world, and then we can move on, is this: you know, he finally found Jerome Powell, right? He kind of mentioned yeah. him in January. Raise rates. Who's this guy? Is going to ruin my? I think I, play, yeah. I well, played basketball with him. We are we, <laughs> we are one week away from Powell raising rates. And that means the Fed have done have done it eight times, right? Not, Trump doesn't even know where Fed funds, what it is or where it is. Yeah. The point is that he's being fed in his ear. You know, this rate thing could really put a hint. So he's after him now. And you're going to see. He's, and, he, I'm, and the market, hold on, 79% of the leverage loan market now, I won't give, won't, is Covlite loans. And we talked about this on last episode with Mary Childs. You know, these Covlite loans. Love so, Mary. So rates are going up. There's more debt than there ever has been on corporate balance sheets. The stock market's obviously at high. But Something's going to give. So my point is that if this all does happen, and you know, I don't want it to happen per se, you know, because I don't want people to suffer losses in the market, but it's going to reflect, and and I think you're going to see a crazy because it's I don't know how he's going to handle that. You know, he throws a tariff out, the market doesn't go down, it gives him, it empowers him even more to say, yeah. you know what, I'm onto something. These tariffs things are good, right, Larry? Right, Wilbur? I don't know. Let me finish trading in my PA, and I'll, I'll let isn't, you know. But... Isn't Mary Childs the one that doesn't believe any white collar guy should go to jail? Yeah, she mentioned that on the show. That yeah. was somewhat. I think she's did just trying that, to be Adam? provocative. Yeah, she's I just thinks I, everybody I, should just do whatever they want and have. I asked, and, yeah, and didn't. I? So, Adam, home. let's let's talk about um, your oh, show yeah. on Amazon. No, so the show you're doing on Amazon with Adam McKay, Will Ferrell, and them are producing yeah. it. Kai Penn is. By uh, the way, thanks yeah. a lot for that for getting me on there, Adam. I yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll do. I something. believe I did mention you in the. I, I he I, mentioned I, Danny. You two guys are like the big short guys. I'm just the guy who's just sitting here. That <laughs> yeah. Adam claimed he was going to get me to Hollywood. I'm still sitting in New York. It'll well, it takes time. We'll get Eben. Eben, if you're listening. Yeah, Evan Davidson. Evan. Um, so no, tell me about the show because you're going around the world and yeah, so- I'm not. But um, yeah, basically uh, the idea is taking a bit of the energy of the Big Short, sort of you know smart but funny, entertaining take on how the economy works, and turn it into an ongoing TV show. So uh, so it's the Anthony Bourdain of the financial world instead of food. Basically. I guess kind of. I mean, it's more didn't work out for Bernie. Yeah, it's more topic specific, um, and and more like high concepty. Like it's kind of trying to take those moments in the Big Short where Anthony Bourdain or yeah, um, well, yeah that's right. He was actually yeah, in the Big Short. He was actually, I forgot yeah, about or that. Selena right. Gomez. And yeah, looks in the camera and talks. You kind of taking that energy to a show, and um, it's been really 
fun working on it. And Cal Penn and and the crew. Um, I mean, they asked if I wanted to go, and I mean, it it is. It's like 19 weeks, and it's truly like wake up in Prague, shoot all day, get on a plane, wake up in India, you know, go to sleep, wake up in Taiwan. Like it's, I count me out. Yeah, I did not. I, I decided oh, with a six year old. With a six year old, I could yeah. not handle but, that. There was like five seconds where like, what have we paid for your wife and son to go? And I was like, that'd be a good education. But we'd all, maybe you'll meet him in one of the cities yeah. of your choice. Be like, oh, you guys are gonna be here for the day? I'll yeah, come meet exactly. you guys I'll come on meet set. You guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's crazy, and Cal somehow manages to right. maintain the energy. What else are you working on? Um, Other than this upcoming conference, obviously, and um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm working on some investigations in, in, into Trump and the Trump organization. I mean, they're shocked about that. Yeah, I mean, look, I will tell you that there are some. Things we hear that are, even given all we've heard, profoundly disturbing. I don't know if they're true yet. So I have to do a By lot the way, of work. We, we can uh, end up cutting this if you want to from the end. But uh, you and I had talked a long time ago. I think we were with a third party that said that there was a video of Trump in an elevator potentially. Uh... I mean, look, there's there's a set of stories that – a lot of reporters have heard from a lot of people. And and I would say, you know, if, if there's one thing that really does, you know, it gets frustrating about the fake news. I mean, the, the level of fact-checking we go through, the level of due diligence we go through before we assert anything is – I mean, it, it's unbelievable. You I mean, would lose your job if you didn't do I that. would lose – and then – Also credibility. Right? And, and credibility. And I mean, the New Yorker – We've done some big – I mean we – all the Ronan Farrow stories. We've done – like we've taken on some very powerful figures with a lot of money and a lot of lawyers and you have not heard a single like – and my stories about Trump, these are very complicated, big stories about very complicated deals. They don't challenge a single fact. You know, They wish they weren't published but they don't challenge a fact. So – and that is not an accident. It's not – and that's not – like I work my butt off, but then there's a team of fact checkers going over every sentence. I mean, I I once mentioned my mom in an in an article, not on Trump, it was something sillier, and the fact checkers are calling my mom and making sure she that actually she is, really is mom. my mom, right, and that right. the story I told. And then you they, know you are adopted. Just so you know. oh shit, they didn't tell <laughs> I want to tell you this. Now, yeah, though, thank you. But and um and my mom actually had a different memory, and we had to deal right. with that. So, um, so. There are a lot of things we hear about and some of the things we might think have the scent of like that might be true, but we're not – we're not bloggers. We're not – like we're not just going to say it. We're, we're going to wait until we got it nailed down. I do feel I can say in a general sense that eventually – and it might be 40 years from now, but eventually the full story will be told and I think it will be – I think it'll my one, one for the history. But I think it'll be much more disturbing than we realize, and it will be looked back upon as a shocking, even more shocking than it feels now. I'll also just say, and this ties into what you said about the market. I think right now will be remembered as the calm period of the Trump presidency. So you think there's going to be a massive well fallout? I think that if the Democrats win the House, um, there's going to be. A level of investigation that is way – I mean all everything we know is in a time when they control – when the Republicans are actively trying to thwart investigation. So what happens when Democrats have subpoena power, have uh, 
Um, so that's that. Then the market, I mean, it, it, well, the market, you think it crashes it, again? Well, it could be self fulfilling. If the Democrats take the House, the policies are less business friendly in general, just because you're not going to have any more tax cuts. Those aren't going to get through and so forth. So, yes, the, I think it's setting up for the perfect storm for a swoon. Um, but, you know, I've been saying that for, you know, over a Ever. year now. Well, no, what did no, they say about Ever. shorts? You just have to be right. It doesn't matter how the well, timing. Gotta, no, just time, kidding. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, but, and then. But then crucially how Trump responds and he's he's about to face something he has just never faced in his life, which is like a boss, like people with real power over him that he won't respond to his threats. And so um, how he responds, how they respond to his response um, goes anywhere from, wow, that'll be interesting to holy shit, maybe we should all move to New Zealand. No, it's. Uh, I've thought about Canada. I threatened it the first time, but I probably should have done it, yeah. especially with the legalization now cannabis on October seventeenth. Uh, you should cover the that part of the that of power the, of that. Yeah. There's a great story there to be yeah. written about restorative justice. That's going to be a big focus in the midterm elections: um, legalization and what it means, economic benefit, and so forth. So we'll see. Um, I, I I know we touched mostly on Trump. I figured that was where we were going to go. But if there's anything else you'd like to talk about or anything before we. Uh, I mean, up. I would say just to kind of be a counter to Mary Childs, I actually think in in a Bale Streety way that one of the things I hope we do as a society, I, I would guess we won't because um, we didn't after the financial crisis, is – Hold people accountable. Hold people accountable. Absolutely. I mean look at Trump. Look at Manafort. Look at – you know, I, I was talking to someone high up in – formerly high up in the Department of Financial Services in New York State who – regulates mm-hmm. you know the and and he said that i was saying like what's your sense of money laundering into new york high-end real estate he goes well yeah obviously it's a lot and he said we actually had a discussion at the highest levels about trying to clamp down on all this money laundering into new york real estate and we determined it would be devastating to the new york economy and so we couldn't do it and i thought wait so you're saying the new york yeah. economy is Rooted in illegal activity. And, um, you know, I have a lot of – I do have a bunch of family members who, who struggle with drugs and been in and out of prison, um, largely nonviolent crimes. But um, – and and I think about the life they live, the life of constant scrutiny, the life of, of a very aggressive policing. And then I think about what we're learning about just how easy and casually – wealthy people with power are able to abuse that wealth and power to get more wealth and power. And and I I really hope there's a correction there. But the problem is the correction would have to come from people with wealth and power and right. probably won't. Right. It's all going to go one way all at the same time, to your point. This yeah. is going to be relative calm potentially because yeah. we all come on the watch. Okay. Yeah. Well, Adam, can't thank you enough for coming on here today. Uh, that wraps up another episode of Bale Street. I'm Danny Moses. I'm Ira Jettleson. See you soon. Thanks, Adam. Great. Thank you, guys. You can subscribe to our podcast at bellstreet.com or any other service that you use to download podcasts. We'll see you next time on Bell Street. I'm Danny Moses. I'm Ira Jettleson. 